We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors. We're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. Well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I have Michelle Bosch. Um, and uh, everybody might remember about uh, 50 episodes back, almost a year ago, we had Jack on the on the call. Um, so I've, I've been really looking forward to this conversation, Michelle, because uh, I really wanted this different perspective uh, on the Thank podcast. You. So, so um, why don't I just kick things over to you right off the bat, introduce yourself and and uh, give us some details here. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. It's an honor being here with you today. And um, yeah, Jack and I, we, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a collaboration and a partnership of almost 18 years. And so we work together with one of those rare, you know, couples that can make it work. But um, a little bit about my background and who I am. So I am Michelle Bosch. Um, I'm the co-creator of the Land Profit Generator Program. I am the CFO for our, you know, investment company, Orbit Investments. Um, and uh, we, Jack and I both came here back in 1995, for me, 1997, for him as, you know, immigrants from Honduras and from Germany. And um, we came here with basically, you know, a couple of suitcases to our name and our hearts full of dreams. And, and that was it. And we came here to study. You know, we both got our degrees here in the U.S. and we did what everyone you know, expects you to do, which is to go get jobs. And we, you know, we were both able to, you know, get really good jobs and, um, and really live what was, you know, seemingly the American dream, you know, mm -hmm. it was a high paying job, but nevertheless, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, um, working one, uh, 100, like 60 to 80 hour weeks, 100% travel. And, um, and so we started not being very happy about that lifestyle and uh, decided that we needed to start looking for something else, but it needed to be a side hustle. We couldn't let go of those jobs because our green cards really depended on those jobs. And mm -hmm. so we, we started looking at houses. And um, like I was telling you right before we started, you know, it was, um, it was too much for us. We didn't have the, you know, the, the courage. We didn't have the capability. We didn't have the knowledge. Um, I feel that it's not a great beginning uh, you know, or beginning point for any beginner in real estate. Um, and so we stumbled onto something that I think probably the fact that we're immigrants gave us an advantage. And, and what I mean by that is that um, we, we came across a concept here in the U.S. called tax liens and tax deeds. Mm -hmm. And that people here in the U.S. could, you know, lose their property for uh, delinquent taxes. That's something that was unheard of for us. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to kind of like see that opportunity. I actually visited one of the, went to one of the auctions here in Sonoma County, California is a tax deed state. And I realized that a lot of the property that was going for, you know, on the auction was actually uh, pieces of vacant land. And um, it occurred to us with Jack that, wow, you know, it's been at least five years before the, you know, the county has the power to sell. And so people have kind of like made up their mind and checked out, you know, mentally and emotionally, you know, with their properties already possibly two, three, you know, however many years ago, what if we were to contact them and, um, you know, you know, for the people that are freshly delinquent and um, figure out if they would want to sell as a property way, you know, for something versus mm -hmm. just losing it. And so it, through a lot of trial and error, it took us, you know, a good, I would say two to three years because there's no mentors back then, especially not in vacant land for sure. Right. Um, and, um, and we perfected, you know, what we call our proven performance letter. You know, it, uh, we spent a lot of money, you know, testing every sentence, word, headline, everything. And um, we are, you know, we are in a position right now where 18 years later, we're still able to get for every 750 to 1,000 letters that we mail out, um, get anywhere between, I would say, 5 to 15%, you know, response rate. And for every 100 offers that we make, we get about two to three deals. Mm -hmm. And our spreads are very comparable, if not better, to houses, especially if you you know, once you have a few of these under your belt, you start specializing on 
higher priced property. So a typical spread is anywhere between five, you know, $5,000 and $15,000. Mm -hmm. um, you're not doing anything to, to the land. There's no termites, no tenants, no toilets, no dealing with foundation issues, with roofing, with estimating repairs. I, I mean, not even negotiation skills are required because you're not, you're not, you know, you're not meeting your seller of the house at the house, mm -hmm. you know, and walking through it with them and, um, and trying to, and trying to basically, uh, you know, make him an offer and negotiate, you know, something with him there on the spot, which for us to be frank, because English back then and continues to be our second language, it was terrifying. I'm like, mm. oh my God, I could never, I could never do that. You know? Uh, with time, of course, that, you know, that has improved, but when we started, you know, we, we can, we couldn't think of it. And so we, we, we started then focusing on three types of properties, properties that are, um, that are either, you know, infill lots that are either in the path of growth or that are recreational properties so that we could sell those quickly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, the time came, you know, a few years later when we finally had our green cards, we had permanent residency. And um, we were able to quit our jobs because our side hustle was already humming. And I remember first year we did about 60 deals, then about 100, the next year about 150. And when we did 150, actually, that was a year where both Jack and I were working on it full time. And we're like, oh, my gosh, we're not able to really scale this. And um, we are now just working just as hard as we, working, we were working on the other job. We either need to bring it down so that we can have more freedom, you know, of time. Because at the end of the day, we all start our businesses or a side hustle because we're looking for four freedoms. We're looking for freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of relationships. And for me, incredibly important, freedom of purpose. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so we were like, well, this is, you know, how it is right now, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not working. It's not providing for that. So we either need to shrink or we need to multiply. And in order to multiply, we realized we needed to really get our process down, um, you know, our unique process down and really simplify that so that we can make it repeatable, scalable, predictable, sustainable. Um, the moment we did that, you know, we, um, we found out that we could, you know, sell these pieces of land in on auctions, on mm -hmm. you know, um, live auctions. We used to sell about a couple hundred every quarter live here at the Phoenix Convention Center, uh, where we are, and uh, we're still here. And um, and then eventually transition. We became students of online marketing and transition into selling a lot of our properties online, which is how we continue to sell them to this day. You know, very very quickly, very easily, and. Um, by the time I would say 2009 came around or 2008 came around, we had created an eight-figure business, you know, just with land, about 12 million, over $12 million in notes just from land notes because we don't only sell the land for cash, but we also sell it on terms using, you know, seller financing. A typical mm -hmm. example is I'm able to buy, you know, a property for $1,500. Um, we can sell it for fifteen or twenty. Um, somebody gives me a down payment of $2,000. I've recouped my investment, you know, all my money's back. And then they make payments of $300 to $400, $500 for the next five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so that's typical, you know, a typical note. And so by the time 2008 came around, we had, you know, about $70,000 of passive cash flow just from land notes. Mm -hmm. um, and we were in that incredible situation. Uh, contrary to many people that were losing their shirts, that we were sitting on quite a bit of liquidity. And so we started really using our land as our cash machine and moving some of those cash profits and cash flow into rentals. Because at the end of the day, you know, we, we do know that the passive cash flow that we're creating from land has an end. The moment the person pays off their piece of land, you know, that payment stops. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we actually have a name for that kind of cash flow here in our house. We call it forever cash. We we're after forever cash, you know, cash will be there forever. Um, you know, um, when, when I was young, my father actually passed away really when I was very young and he had purchased a piece of a commercial real estate. And, you know, that really helped my mother who, you know, raised me as a single mom to, to really, you know, provide for me the best education possible and, and supplement her income as, as a teacher. And so I know what forever cash is, you know, I've been the, the, the recipient of it, the, the beneficiary of, you know, mm -hmm. somebody having that forethought basically, and, and, and really thinking about him, you know, his family, 
because um, um, he, he was an, a, an attorney, but it wasn't his legal profession that kept us afloat for many years. To this day, my mom holds on to that property, you know? And so we've always been after Forever Cash. And, and so we transitioned into houses. We, we came up, you know, we, we were buying at a point where we could buy here properties for anywhere between forty dollars and $50,000, uh, repair them for five, ten, dollars and then rent them for $900, $1,100. Now, you know, the, those houses have quadrupled now. Mm -hmm. um, we've actually moved on and, you know, started selling some and, and went on to move on to other markets where we could again replicate that, buy them again for fifty, sixty. dollars you know, repair them, rent them, and so on and so forth. And then as, as we've grown, you know, uh, in our complexities, in our courage, in our capability, in our confidence as investors, we then started moving in, in 2016. We were like, okay, we're looking at one door at a time. How can we start looking at a hundred doors at a time? Mm -hmm. And that's when we started with multifamily. We purchased our first, you know, large multifamily um, in um, Louisiana, 94 units. Uh, then another 96 units in North Carolina, 147 units in Oklahoma City, another, and we're looking at another 150, you know, eight units also in Oklahoma City right now. So it's, it's been, you know, it's been uh, going through, through a cycle of what we call the four C's of, of basically committing to something, putting mm -hmm. blinders on, on that one thing, you know, and doing nothing else because there's so many shiny pennies. And once that was mastered, that we had mastery, and mastery only comes from repetition, from doing deals over and over and over right. again. Once we had mastered something, you know, um, invest in team, and um, and then you know moved on to the next, master that, moved on to the next, and so on and so forth. Um, and and so that's where we're at. But we continue to flip land to this day because. Like I said, it's, it's a gap in the real estate market. Nobody cares to see, explore, and as a result, there's no competition. When everyone thinks about, you know, real estate, the, the last thing they think about is about flipping dirt. And, mm -hmm. um, and yes, even if there are termites on the dirt, we flip those two. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's kind of like, you know, um, all the accomplishments, the successes, but of course, all of that has come from failing a lot, Jack, from um, a lot of lessons learned along the way. And, um, you know, in team, um, I wish I would have, you know, when we started, we, we would have looked at that, you know, there's four pillars to business too, you know, there's why you're doing it, the who, you know, the team mm -hmm. and your clients and who you're doing this for, the what and the how. Um, a lot of our uh, focuses were in the whys, the what and the hows, and not on the who's. Uh, that you don't just recruit them, but that you mm -hmm. need to really develop them that, you know, we're all in this for whole life leadership at the end of the day, and that you're trying to develop leaders so that you can have that freedom of time and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. So, um, so yeah, so back in, in 2011, actually, um, you know, we, we had a team and everything, but I don't think they were, we had really transitioned ourselves, you know, as entrepreneurs to that point where we were developing leaders. And I, I kind of like hit a wall and went through some crazy burnout. I had about a period of three to six months where I was so exhausted, I could basically just in the mornings, get up, bring my daughter to school, you know, get her ready, come back, do nothing, literally, get ready again, pick her up, do a couple of hours of homework with her, and then I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness for passive cash flow, you know, because uh, there's certain critical, you know, responsibilities that I have always kind of like shouldered, you know, and there's other responsibilities that Jack has shouldered since we worked together, you know, and, um, and, and boy, you know, did he step up in that partnership, you know, during that time period to help me really reevaluate, uh, you know, my life and, and also how we were going to continue doing business, you know, going forward. And I think that those six months and that reevaluation, you know, of how can I develop leaders within our company? How can, it's not just systems and processes, but, you know, but, but people that really align with you and core values that, that see where you're going, that, you know, that have the same vision, mission, that really align with you 100% that really uh, makes the difference and, and really makes things easier. People think, well, you know, scale is going to be harder. And, and yeah, there are some complexities, 
you know, that come with, with scale, you know, but they're really complexities of abundance, not of scarcity, like when you start, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and yeah, so focusing on team, you know, I wish I would have done that a little bit sooner. And, and, and that was what really made us turn the corner and even start looking at large multifamily, really, you know, mm-hmm. in, in 2016, um, it really made us stronger. So a really dark night of the soul that at the end, you know, turns into something amazing, you know? Yeah. So that's, that, that was, that was amazing, by the way, just you going through that whole progression like that. Could you back up on, on a minute though? Like, yeah. what I think is really interesting what you and Jack do is when it comes to the land thing and something that I haven't heard anybody say up until now really is, is the concept of how complicated, uh, yeah, there's sure a lot of gurus out there and the, and the status quo is to focus on the single families, whether it's, uh, especially when you get into real estate investing for the first time, you know, a lot of people try to jump into wholesaling properties or they want to jump right into multifamily properties. What I think is kind of interesting is that you guys really focused on the, well, you learned those lessons and you ended up focusing on the land. But that really makes a lot of something clicked when you were talking about that makes a lot of sense to maybe that is the best place to start. I mean, mm-hmm. talking about building a foundation, I mean, the foundation mm-hmm. has to be built on the land. I mean, uh, uh, so how did you, you mentioned you stumbled into that. How did you stumble into it? And if somebody was interested in, in evaluating their backyard, how do they find these these vacant lots and and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. of, how, how do they get started on something? Uh, like absolutely. So so we like I said we came uh, we came to it from the tax lien tax deed world basically, mm-hmm. and and there was a, in the beginning a huge correlation we thought between tax delinquency and really finding what we call non wanters, not just motivated sellers, but non wanters. And um, as we kept on doing this, you know, over the years, we, we found out, no, no, it's not just the tax delinquent people. It's really, we, we started buying, you know, pieces of land for people that were not delinquent because we would go to the county and get the entire assessor's role and just, you know, uh, kind of like, um, you know, uh, scrub that list and, and, and eliminate anything that was not vacant land. And what, what happened is that a lot of the people that were responding we're actually actually not tax delinquent, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's basically one of the ways, and I, I probably answered already both questions, but one of the ways to go and find these people basically is you you can go to a list broker. There's, you know, pe- uh, companies like Agent Pro 24-7. Um, there are um, PropStream as well is another one, Counted List. If you have a good relationship with a title company, a title company will be able to, you know, pull up an extract for you and, and I would basically, um, what we do is we look at what are the 15, 20 top fastest growing, uh, you know, cities in the country. And then we, um, if, if we decide that we're going to focus on a county where we're going to look for infill lots, it's got to have to be the metro area, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm saying is probably not New York City, but the other secondary, you know, cities, you know, and, and even tertiary c- cities that are, that are growing. Um, if we are looking for, um, you know, path of growth type of properties where in the infill lots, let me say, let me back up a little bit. My buyer is normally a builder. So, mm-hmm. so you want to think about your exit depending, you know, and, and sure. then decide which of those types of properties are you going to go? You know, will, will your buyer primarily be builders? Do you have good relationships with them already? Then infill lots are probably it, you know? Um, Path of growth, this is uh, where cities are growing. So you don't want to be in the county where the city's at, but maybe one county out when it's mm-hmm. path of growth. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, when you're looking at recreational properties, you're looking maybe two counties out mm-hmm. or even three. But no, but have it, just think about it. If somebody is looking to recreate, I don't want to drive more than a couple of hours to go and, you know, have fun with my kids. And and like, for example, Flagstaff is, is like a two-hour drive from Phoenix and it, guarantees cooler weather in the summer especially mm-hmm. you know when we're here in phoenix and and so it's 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 thinking about those things and then therefore choosing you know and selecting your counties strategically with your end buyer in mind um is what i would say and and those are 
pretty much the three places that, you know, we, we, we personally like going to the counties, but we know a lot of our clients because now for the last several years, we've been teaching this, you know, uh, we were able to simplify the process is so unique and simplified that we've been able to replicate that same success now, you know, across uh, people from all walks of life, dentists, doctors, truck drivers, you know, stay at home moms, really, because the model is so simple and it puts your, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a model that puts your family first that allows you for it to be a side hustle because that's how we started it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So we, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're big and you're a beginning investor and you have a job like that you hate and you're trying to look for something like I have been there, I was you. I am you. I've just moved on to a different stage. You know what I mean? But, right. um, and so with that in mind also, you know, the, the, you know, the, the program that we have out there is, uh, is so incredibly replicatable because it takes all of those things into account, into consideration. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. See, another thing that I always thought was really interesting and Jack brought this up when he was on the show too, is, uh, your marketing is very different from what I would do looking for a property. I mean, you, you're really, you're wasting, you're only wasting like one stamp. You're sending an offer like right off the bat and, and, and Oh and yeah. 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 Getting, so, you know, so yeah. So, so when we start, when we start selecting areas actually in the beginning, we are sending what we call our neutral letter where we are not actually sending a, a contract. We're saying, hey, I know you own property in such and such county. We would love to buy it, you know, give us a call. And so it's a very non-aggressive type of letter. Yeah. Right. And once we have identified that there's a specific pocket in a county or a specific state or a specific county where we want to go deep and where we've already gone through the full circle of saying, of, of selling the property and that we know we can sell it quickly and for good, you know, for a good spread. On those counties, we go deep and then we can blanket, you know, the specific pocket that we know, you know, that we can sell for 20 grand. You know, we offered the first time 1500 and we know we can sell it for 20. Let's blanket it with, you know, um, with offers directly with second offers is what we call it. Mm -hmm. um, and a contract directly, you know, where we offer maybe two, three grand because we know we're going to be able to sell them quickly and for much, much more than what we're paying. So, but at the beginning, we don't advise that because it's gotta be an area that you already understand that you can sell really well mm -hmm. and that is homogeneous, like a subdivision in particular, you know, you you know, once you start mailing out letters, you're going to notice there's certain pockets, certain subdivisions where, you know, every lot is five acres or two and a half acres. They're all worth the same thing. So you don't have to be doing research on each one to evaluate value you mm -hmm. know that across the board, it's going to be the same value. So on those, you can make a blanket blind offer, but don't do that at the beginning because otherwise, you know, you're going to, yeah, you're going to miss out. Once you know an area, that's where you go and blanket with a blind sure. offer. No, yeah. that's good advice. Yeah. So, you know, when, when uh, I'm acquiring a, a house, you know, I, yeah. it's easy for me to uh, do comparables to other mm -hmm. houses that have sold in that neighborhood or, or what have yeah. you. Um, how do you, how do you find or assess the value of the, of the land? Like, is there yeah. a way to, to quickly do that? So, so, so yeah, this is, um, this is always, you know, part, um, I would say part art, part science in that by now, you know, over the years, now for the last five years, we even developed our own proprietary software, you know, where mm -hmm. we basically take a property from, even from the point where it's a prospect, you know, a, a mailing campaign all the way you know, until uh, it's turned into a sale, we even have built in a module there for, you know, for loan servicing, if you're ser servicing your own notes, if you're selling, the, you know, using seller financing. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to say is that that software has now inbuilt in it a, um, a one-click comparables where we can see on Zillow, you know, mm -hmm. Trulia and uh, Landwatch, uh, Landflip, um, comparable properties, you know, so that's, that's part science. Then you're going to come across, you know, odd shape lots, odd shape, uh, or, or, you know, where you have, uh, say 20 acres and a lot of what is selling in the area is one acre. So you're going to have to extrapolate and say, okay, if one acres are, are selling for this, you know, 20 acres, you know, the value is in this right. or 
um, you're going to have infill lot situations where maybe there's not another infill lot that has been that has sold recently that could be a great comparable like mm -hmm. you do with houses but then you look at okay what is the typical value of the property of the house that is there what is the per square footage and um and and based on that and and if you know you know that your builder needs to have you know, uh, the value of the land be 10, 20%, whatever it is, you can kind of like back into the value of the, of the piece of land. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so there's ways, but, um, but for the most part, you know, yeah, for the most part, we're able to do it, you know, within, I would say three to five minutes, you know, I can really pinpoint exactly, you know, value now on a piece of property. And, um, and now, you know, with the software, you know, for people where there are, easily similar properties out there it's it's like a one click and you have all three or four you know comparables there and you know we have an offer calculator built in so it gives you okay this is the minimum that we sh that we would you know send out an offer for and this is the maximum mm -hmm. um and then and that will be for i would say the 80 percent of the properties there's 20 percent of those that you know are going to require a little bit more you know to really right. point and nail down value but um for the most part uh, most of the, you know, the bulk of it will be, will be easily accessible to you. Sure. Sure. So we're, let's change the subject just a little bit because, yeah. uh, you know, you mentioned uh, getting burnt out. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the scourges when it comes to, along with analysis paralysis, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. a hard thing for people to break through. Um, but um, I think there is a lot of people that burn out and they don't actually realize it or they don't want they don't face it and they just try to barrel their way through it so when you were experiencing burnout what what caused you to take the necessary action to get out of that uh simply my my body 100 percent forced me to it i mean mm -hmm. i just i just physically couldn't do it mentally i could probably focus maybe for a half an hour to an hour and then i was done so mm -hmm. i kind of like um, I didn't see the warning signs. I didn't, um, right. I didn't, um, listen to my body. I just did exactly what you just said. You just keep pushing through because that, um, that is what is ingrained in us. I don't know if it's the, if it's also the immigrant gene of this incredible drive and hunger to basically create a world better than the one we left, but I see it happening even in, you know, native, you know, people that are born here in the U.S., you know, also there's type A workaholics pretty much, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. And, um, and, and so my body was really the one that forced me to, okay, I need to stop. I can't do it. Even if I wanted to do it, even, you know, if I had the will to do it, my body and my mind just couldn't do it anymore. And, um, and that's when I started looking a little bit more into also, a much more holistic, you know, whole life approach and, and really understood that, you know, a win in the financial category now had meant a win. Yes, a dark night of the soul moment, but a win in my ability to say, okay, let me start looking now at my health. Let me start looking now at, you know, the category of my spiritual life, of my mm -hmm. mental life, of my emotional life, my character my relationship with my, you know, my parenting relationship with my daughter, my relationship with Jack, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, um, and, and what is my vision for the future and how am I, and what am I here to do? Because we, 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 we accomplish, we got there. I re I kind of like, you know, put my head up and, and realized that we were there, we arrived and now what? <laughs> right. And now what, you know? And I think probably that was, also part of what was going on is that I wasn't living that fourth freedom of purpose. And I'm like, so what is this all for? You know? Mm -hmm. And, um, cause a lot of people at the beginning, your number is the why, you know, and, and then eventually the number you get there and then now what, you know, now, now what am I doing? You know? And, and for me, I recognize, you know, you know, after that period of burnout, that part of my legacy here is to, um, I have a daughter that I want her to stand in the shoulders of my own delusional confidence <laughs> of, of my capability, of my drive, you know, of my courage, mm -hmm. 
so that she can, you know, do greater things and her children can do greater things. And maybe three generations down of women, you know, they're going to say, well, you know, my grandma, you know, came from Honduras and she did all those things, even though, you know, she didn't have a lot of resources, a lot, you know, it, it's, I, I just, I just picture, but that became at the beginning, you know, a motivation for me was my daughter. And then, and then it was like, okay, how can I extend this to more women? How can I get more women to see that mm-hmm. it's not just about reaching money or a money number, but how can we think about money much more from the point of view of what it can do for others, you know? Right. Um, and, and how can we recirculate our wealth? Because women are much more prone, not that men don't do it, Jack, but women are much more prone to look at, you know, that's how we're built. That's how we're wired. We're wired for safety, for protection, for nurturing, for really take care of our people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're much more wired to really look around us and see who needs our help and how can I recirculate my wealth in a way that it impacts and it helps others, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so so it was, a, it was a combination of that. I stumbled into yoga as well. I started doing a lot of meditation uh, practices, mindfulness practice, you know, breath work um, that really helped me. I also um, found an amazing naturopathic doctor because when I used to go to the doctor, my traditional doctor, um, they're like, well, you're just stressed, Michelle. You're a busy mother. You know, you're a busy working woman as well and there's nothing wrong with you just you know chill out take a hot bath and you're gonna be fine Mm -hmm. and no what i found out you know after having visited my naturopath and having all kind all kinds of blood work done is that i had incredible also deficiencies you know uh really physiological deficiencies in minerals and vitamins um in issues with my gut that were affecting also my you know those levels of fatigue that i was feeling um so I, I kind of like took this crazy holistic approach and, and I was like, okay, I don't even know what's working. But six months later, I was, I was, I was ready to tear down trees again. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing time now in hindsight of, of like self-reflection. And like I said, I had the privilege of having the passive back, you know, cash flow to, uh, to kind of like fall back on in terms of like, yes, we're not. We're, we're not, we didn't have to do things out of desperation. And, and from that moment on, once I, you know, kind of recovered and we were again, this, you know, unbeatable team together is that our expansion was not so forceful mm-hmm. before it was a, it was an expansion that was about, um, meeting every resistance, pushing through every resistance and just, you know, with force, uh, you know, mental power and will overcome whatever and do whatever it takes. And you know what, at the beginning of our business, that sometimes that's what's required when you're on startup mode, you know what I mean? Right. Yep. But at some point, you know, and, and for me, this was this point back in 2011 during, you know, once the burnout has, had recovered is that I wanted to start expanding in a much more harmonious uh, type of way. Um, and if I want to say this in a much less uh, masculine type of way, and I'm, I'm not masculine, not because of man, but we all have, you know, some masculine and, and feminine energy in us. You know, I always think of feminine energy as very creative, very um, not scheduled, not linear, very kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, panoramic and masculine energy is very linear, very sequential uh, because of my background in finance and I was doing a lot of operational type of work in a business, I was in a lot of masculine energy for many, many, many years to actually, part of my language, get shit done, like get results, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, um, and, and so for me, I'm like, I need to, I, I, I realized I needed to start balancing, bringing another person that was already in my company ready to step up, you know, to become much more of that generator of results so that I can really create, you know, turn into a little bit more of a creator of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in creator of opportunities, I'm much more in feminine energy and feminine mode. So even if for men, you know, when you're out there creating opportunities, you know, creating partnerships, alliances, you're kind of like in feminine 
energy and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's creative energy pretty much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and, and yeah, that, that was for me a, an incredible distinction to make, you know, that I needed to move from being the generator of results. If you're, you know, a sole business owner, um, it, and, it, and it comes with team team is what's going to make you unstoppable team is what's, you know, it's, what's going to help you create something that is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and really have fun doing it because, you know, like, like I said, when I say a harmonious expansion, I'm like, I want to have fun doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I want to have fun doing it. I want to, I want to know that it's for something that is bigger that I might not see the whole you know, the whole puzzle of how I fit into, you know, this amazing world that God has created, you know, but that I am somehow in the future at some point going to see how the pieces work together. And, and I'm working for that higher purpose type of work, you know? Right. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know that kind of answered your question. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I really appreciate you talking about that because, um, I think there is, there's a plague going on in our work environment right now. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think we have started to romanticize the concept of the grind. Mm-hmm. And people will continue to grind and continue to grind and continue to push. And like you said, there's a lot of value in that, but eventually uh, you're going to grind your brakes right off. And, and next thing you know, you know, it, it can cause a lot of damage and, and, um, yeah, I, I'm just and, a little and, and, worried about that. Yeah. And I, and I think it's because, I think it's because startup mode requires it. There's no question about it. Like, like even that word of balance, I hear it now and like, I, I, I get it. I know the good intentions that people have behind that word of, you know, the word balance. Right. But now I know that it's about whole life leadership and then there's seasons and then there's seasons for grind and that you need to plan for seasons of rest and rejuvenation. Even like when you work out right now, like at 1230, I have my workout lady come here to my house and she's like, Michelle, are you getting enough rest? You know, it is so important. Like muscles grow during rest, not while we're breaking them down with weight, you know, mm-hmm. you grow during rest. So that so understand that there's going to be seasons of grind that there's going to be seasons of rest that you're going to have to kind of like built into your calendar because if you're a type a you know workaholic you you won't mm-hmm. <laughs> unless it's scheduled it's not going to happen you know what i mean and um and and that yeah that you that you want to you know start transitioning out of that generator or yeah generator mode and and with that is going to require that you step up that you really you know engineer your next level of growth that you really start looking at things that a more mature entrepreneur and business starts looking at certain key performance indicators you know to realize okay you know i have been saying yes to all these kinds of properties but these kinds of properties are not bringing the 80% of the profits. Mm-hmm. What's bringing the 80% of the profits is this other 20%. Right. This is right. But if you don't even recognize, you know, that you're need that you need to kind of like step up, you know, in your entrepreneurship, uh, let's call it, you know, uh, belt system, like to bring martial arts into the picture, like you're going from a, you know, white belt to yellow belt or whatever the colors are to black belt that to get to black belt that you're going to start having to look at, you know, key metrics so that you really focus your, you know, your resources on the right things, you know, um, and, um, and, and you're not so deluded in, in, in stuff that brings revenue but at the end of the day, how much are you walking away with from all those things that are creating revenue? You know what I mean? Right. So identifying the types of properties for us that brought us more, you know, more profit um, was crucial. And, and really, you know, growing up to looking at a dashboard weekly, um, you know, there's certain things in the dashboard that I only look at monthly. There's other things that I look quarterly. Um, but all of those things, I think, um, come hand in hand. There's like some... Um, some some magical more artistic stuff like you know what i mean by i don't want to say magic but my more woo or that perhaps that's the word uh of of looking of you know this this leadership and you stepping up into a into a bigger leadership uh position and there's things that are really concrete that you can Mm -hmm. that you have to do in order to step into it like looking at numbers like investing in team training team you know there's there's both of these um so yeah 
That's a and good then, way of putting it is the, is yeah. taking that break because sometimes those breakthroughs, like you get so focused on your work and the grind, you kind of put on blinders to mm-hmm. other options and other possibilities and you likely are going to be missing something to have that break every once in a while. Sometimes those aha moments are me driving into town or, or just when you've given yourself a little, like you stepped away for a moment, there, there's a lot of value in that. In that. Oh yeah. Like sometimes, you know, I, we, we come to difficult situations. We all have challenging days and sometimes, you know, it's us talking about it and then us doing something completely different and doing something playful, you know, with my daughter or in, in those moments of recreation and playfulness and rejuvenation, guess what? freaking downloads happen for me from the heavens and i have like this brilliant idea or jack gets that brilliant idea but it's mm-hmm. from not having constantly uh you know ruminating over it but giving your brain some space for for magic to happen yeah that's they're right. they're so 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 important uh even during the day you know or even during the week that's another thing i used to plan my which is part of why we had to reschedule a few times here um, you know, I used to schedule my week like completely back to back with all kinds of activities <laughs> that were unrelated during the day. And then eventually I'm like, no, I, I want, we now follow, you know, even our executive assistant uh, follows it. Like we, we have play days, we have production days and we have planning days. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's days that are, you know, that are production, but even on those production days, you know, I always give myself. 30 minutes to 45 minutes in between one thing, one time block and another time block to really kind of like recover, you know, to kind of like smell the roses to, if it's a beautiful, you know, day of sunshine to really like appreciate such a glorious day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I used to have back to back stuff from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, you know, with not even, you know, 15 minute breaks in between. And that was to be frank, killing me. So then, so then that was one aspect of it. And then there's other days that are planning days where with our team training with the outside world and, and then there's play days, you know, and, and then, then you're going to have days where you plan for a production day and all hell breaks loose. And what do you do? You just get through them and jump back on the horse the next day (laughs) pretty much. But, but such that I could, that, that has created incredible efficiencies, actually this play plan and production in that um, you're not trying to change from this kind of energy, which would be podcasting, to training mm-hmm. energy, to uh, coaching energy, to uh, negotiation energy. You know what I mean? There's, there's time blocks that are, or certain days that are only designed for, you know, a certain type of production or, or planning activity or whatever, um, so that you have a vanilla day, a chocolate day, to a, to a large extent, let's say 60 to 80%. Um, or a strawberry day and mm-hmm. not have Neapolitan ice cream. I always tell my, my, you know, our team is like, guys, are you having Neapolitan ice cream days? We're not efficient. If you do, please make sure that your schedule looks like, you know, like either right. for the most part of vanilla day, a chocolate day or a strawberry day. I, it's, it's the influence of my 12 year old. Sometimes that I bring into my work and that's why I talk about ice cream. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a great concept. I, I, I've never thought about it to doing something like that. They, um, in fact, you know, we've been teaching and, and talking on the, on the podcast a lot is the concept of what you focus on is what is going to grow. Hmm. But if you don't give it the proper focus, if you know, it's, it's like having a micro uh, magnifying glass and you're going to try to start a fire. Yeah. It takes that focus to, to get things going. And if you yeah. don't have it, so held there long enough, it's, it's not going to grow. It's not going to catch on fire. It's not going to produce the results that you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, too and, much and attention, that, too many, too many places. Yeah. And that coming to focus over and over again, it's like an ongoing thing, you know, mm-hmm. every quarter I come across, you know, stuff that I'm doing that I'm like, why am I doing this? And I'm like, and so I have like a little stop doing list. I'm like, I need to stop doing this. And and, and delegating some of the stuff, or if it's not giving us the ROI that it should, they should be off of our plates, you know what I mean? But it's a constant pruning back. Uh, it's a constant effort and discipline to, to come back to focus. It's not just something that you're going to do once. It's going to be there all the time because we as entrepreneurs, we're curious people. 
we, we see an opportunity and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is innovation that could bring acceleration to my business. And you want to go and, and see that, you know what I mean? And so, um, and, and so it's, it's, it's something that it's, you constantly have to be working at it, you know, and recognize, you know, what is a shiny penny and what is not. If that opportunity aligns with my genius, aligns with the genius of the company and aligns with what I'm already doing this, and I can really implement this in a strategic way, why not? But if it doesn't, leave it. Um, with Jack, we actually do something because he is like the ultimate entrepreneur. Um, we have a, something called the Colby. Uh, I don't know if it's like an index where you can, um, there's four categories. Mm-hmm. Are you a fact finder? Are you a follow through, which is an organizer? Are you a, a quick start with strives and spontaneity? Or are you an implementer, a person that works with their hands right now, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. So Jack is our quick start in our company. I'm actually uh, much more of a fact finder and organizer. Um, and so with him, what we have to do sometimes is like, okay, there's, that's an amazing idea. It's an amazing opportunity that you're bringing to the table. Let's put it in the parking lot. <laughs> let's put it in a parking lot for like a week and let's revisit that in our next weekly meeting and see if that still sounds like a good opportunity and a good, you know, and a good, uh, idea. And it's not just for him, mine go into a parking lot too. And let me tell you. 80% of those, are, I come back to them the next week. I'm like, well, that was a shitty idea. That's, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was something like that in the spare of the moment. But if you would have followed that impulse and you and you bring your entire team with that impulse, you know, you take them off of what, of the main thing that we're working on. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, yep. so like I said, it's a constant thing that you need to be looking at, you know, and bringing yourself back to focus. It's not something that you do once. Um, and there is, there is incredible value in it. Um, otherwise you end up going in, you know, uh, what I call them carousel rides, you know, mm-hmm. where you get on that carousel ride, because then that moment, it seemed like a good opportunity. You go for a great ride and explore it. You get off the carousel and you're in the exact same spot financially. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, you know what, I, I just realized the time and I, I didn't mean to keep you on this podcast for as long as we have, um, because I know you're really busy. Um, so, uh, I, I probably, we probably should wrap up, but yeah. I really appreciated your time, Michelle. This is, this was such, you know, I could listen to you for another hour. So, um, you obviously, you and Jack both, uh, this is, this is your wheelhouse. I, it, it's obvious of that. Like, so if people wanted to get a hold of you or get in touch with you, there's so much more for you two to share with people. How do they do that? Yes. Um, so we have a, uh, you can go to landprofitfun.com, landprofitfun.com. Um, and we have also a Facebook group, a free Facebook group. You can join kind of like enter our ecosystem. Um, it's called the Land Profit Generator Real Estate Investing Group. And if you just put Land Profit Generator on Facebook, the group is going to pop up. There's about 8,700 um, land investors in the group. And we have, you know, created over the last four, four or five years now of having that group, uh, an amazing community, uh, you know, that is incredibly generous with their time, with their knowledge in terms of helping the beginning investor, because that's really, you know, one now that we're sharing our, you know, our methodology with the world, uh, we want to be a hero to the beginning investor because we have, like I said, we are you, we have been there. Um, and, um, and it's just that we've moved on a little bit in, you know, into the next phase, but we understand and we remember how it was to be you, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and everyone there, like I said, it's, it's incredibly giving, you know, uh, aligns with our, with our value of, you know, of, of giving back, of really uh, helping, if they're two steps ahead of you, of really helping, answering questions, you post a question, you're going to have 15, 20 answers, you know, from people. Um, in the beginning, you know, it was us, Jack, myself, you know, our coaching team, uh, really pouring our heart in there, and we continue to pour our heart in there. But now, sometimes I go in there, and I go through the feed, and you know, every question has been answered amazingly. And I'm like, only, only if I see, okay, I can add a little bit of something, then I will add. But for the most part, um, it's, it's, it's a, in my opinion, um, you know, we're very proud of that group. It is the number one incubator of land flipping businesses on the planet. Um, I, I highly suggest you just, you know, 
join us, come and come, you know, come and check us out. Um, if you have an amazing woman in your life that you want, you know, to have her step up in terms of, you know, taking and helping, you know, um, shoulder, you know, uh, not the financial responsibility, but that wants to understand that wants to, you know, dream build with you. If you're, you know, if you're just a guy listening to this and, and, and all of the financial worries are on your head and you not necessarily, you know, share them with your wife, but you would love to, and she's interested and would love to as well and learn about real estate. I have a podcast as well called inflow. And um, it's for not just inflows of cash, but what we're talking here is also about inflows of ease and inflows of grace in our lives. Mm -hmm. So um, we have also a, another podcast for our cash podcast that we host with Jack together. So there's many, many places that you can come. But I think if you go to landprofitfund.com, that is a, um, that's basically a masterclass when you can, where you can learn about our land investing strategy. Well, yeah. I can't thank you enough again, Michelle. This was, this was awesome. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Jack. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content. And if you found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash house dudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at House Dudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come, first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. tell a man what to do with his money but if you ain't investing in property then you're dumber than a dummy i'm not dumb i'm smart well buy property that's my advice